And I don't know how I've never, never thought about this in the past. And I'm sure I have, and I just don't care. But Gizmo driving around a remote control car. It's not like there's a little gas pedal in this car that makes it go. Like, how is that thing driving? <laughs> Welcome to the What's Over the Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Carter. I'm here with my co-host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead, hit that follow, subscribe, like, bell notification. Push the buttons, damn it. Yeah. Push all the buttons. All of them buttons. Push them. And uh, we appreciate it. Tell a friend about us. Many friends. All the friends. At least two. Tell some enemies. Oh, there you go. Yeah. If you want to put your enemies through torture, tell them about our podcast. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Uh, yeah. Help us grow the podcast so we can continue to go. You have been. We appreciate the listens. We've had a burst in listens lately, so we really appreciate that. Today, we're doing Gremlins. This was voted on and chosen by our good friend, JJ Screaming Goats, a.k.a. Charles. So thank you for that. You can do that as well if you join our Patreon. We allow the ability to vote on what movies we're going to do. So, yeah, this movie is Gremlins, the original. It was released June 8th, 1984. It was written by Chris Columbus, and it was directed by Joe Dante. It stars Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, John Louis. <laughs> I love that kid. Key Luke. <laughs> Corey Feldman, Dick Miller, Harry Carey Jr., and uh, Polly Holiday. It's quite. Oh, don't forget Judge Reinhold. Got to throw him in there because you had your uh, your reunion for three of those guys in. Uh, oh, what's that movie? Now my brain just went with Phoebe Cates and infamous pool scene, Fast Times. That trio. Fast Times at Richmond. That's right. Yeah, the reunion with Fast Times, Gremlins. It's it's kind of a Christmas movie, but I thought it is. Fuck it, we're doing it on for Halloween. God damn it! Yeah, it's good to kind of lead in. I will say, I think this movie suffered from the year it was released in. <laughs> yes, it did. If this movie was released in any other year, yeah, I would say it is movie of the year. Being oh, released sure. in 1984 hurts it incredibly. Oh yeah, it's the greatest um, movie year possibly ever. of all time. Yeah. You can't Amazing. compete with what they were putting out in 1984. No. Which is a bummer because I don't know for sure, but this had to be like a little bit of a flop at the box office. It wasn't. It you ready wasn't? for this? So here's the craziest part. This is one of the most successful box office wise movies ever when it comes to like profits. Do you know the budget no on this movie? Oh. $11 million. <laughs> $11 million. It grossed in the worldwide market at the time worldwide meant us and canada plus yeah. a couple of others the worldwide market at the time in 84 was was north america but it grossed 153 million dollars i recant my saying to yeah. my mug to gremlins great job crushed it. part of it's because it's chris columbus so at the mm -hmm. time he's riding the the high of home alone he's got i mean the guy's written some movies so He's doing good. The other piece was, is the affiliation with Warner Brothers at the time, as well as Steven Spielberg. There you go. That so, would do it. Yeah. When Steven okay, Spielberg job, produces Gremlins. it and it's on, he's got his name on it. 
especially in 84, people go see this movie. And it killed it. That's fair. Killed it. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for them. It should. It's a fun movie. It is. So I've never watched this as a child. Oh, didn't you? Yeah, this is another one. The first time I watched it was actually probably just a couple of years ago. Wow. And I mean, you know, not having grown up with it, I don't have the nostalgia factor that factors into a lot of these things. Sure. So I'm kind of like, yeah, it was good. I mean, you know, it's not like, oh, I love it. Yeah. But looking at it from like an objective kind of view, this was incredible for what it does during the time that it does it. Mm-hmm. And with like what they were given, this is awesome. Yeah. And why do we not have a bath buddy on every single store Dude. shelf? Right. It has been what, like 38 years. <laughs> he has got to have figured out that toothpaste dispenser by now. Got to. There is no excuse for me not having a bathroom buddy oh. in my pocket at all times. I love it. Absolutely. I'd buy it. Especially right? in that format. As long as the toothpaste or the shaving cream worked, I'm in. Yeah, it's like a straight up uh, Swiss Army knife for all of your bathroom hygienic needs. Yeah. I Who love wouldn't the, want that? I love the dad in this show. Like, he is so weird and silly and takes nothing seriously. He comes home to his town being destroyed, basically. And he's just calm as shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> Cool as a cucumber. Unfazed by anything. Yeah. It's freaking his wife, who's the freaking MVP of this movie, by the way. Like, dude, she took out all the gremlins. Yeah. If it weren't for the bomb in the freaking movie theater, she'd have the biggest kill count in the oh, yeah. sh- gremlin kill count in the movie. Yeah. Like, wrecked she all of them with stripe at the beginning, yeah. except for the one at the school. Like, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy. She knew what she was doing. This movie, Alec, terrified me as a child. Like, oh, I can believe it. It terrifies me now. Yeah. <laughs> so I was three years old in 80 when this came out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was old. Did you see it when you were three? No. I think oh, I was okay. like seven or eight when I finally saw it. Because Gremlins 2 came out, I think, in 1990. Okay. And I think Gremlins 2, when it came out, which is a weird movie, very funny, but weird movie. I think I watched the first one because my cousin across the street was going to go see the first was going to go see gremlins too. So HBO. And of course I, the other kid across the street had the black box so we could watch. And it was huge on HBO at the time because it was gremlins two was getting ready to come out. Yeah. So I think I was, I think it was eight or nine, seven or eight, somewhere in there, but it horrified me. Like I was so scared, but I loved it. Cause I've always loved scary shit. So but I thought it was one of the funniest and yet scary. Like I was laughing my ass off and then I was shitting myself in the same movie. I love that. It was great. Oh yeah. Well, it's also like, even from the start, you have, you know, cute, adorable gizmo, (laughs) which I'm sorry, Grogu from Mandalorian has nothing on gizmo from gremlins. And I will fight you over that opinion. Listeners. I will fight anybody over that opinion. Agreed. And then you have like this split of personalities, right? When he first gets water dumped on him and you get all these kind of bad eggs or easily influenced eggs from Stripe. Mm -hmm. And you can just see Gizmo the entire time up to when they kind of do their morph, you know, Power Rangers morphing time. You can see (laughs) that Gizmo's like just looking outside and like, dude, you, you messed up, bro. Yeah. Like you messed up hard. Yeah. And they just get straight abused oh, yeah. onto the dartboard and <laughs> drop down the laundry chute. Yeah. 
Man, poor Gizmo. Yeah. His cute little singing voice. And but I love my favorite thing about Gizmo in this whole show is his pissed face. Like when he when he gets all grumpy and his freaking eyebrows go down, he gets mad faced. That shit is so cute. Like I freaking love it. And you're not wrong. I was about to say, like, Gizmo is the Grogu of my time, like of my generation. Like everybody had Gizmo toys, man. He was everywhere. Cause he yeah. was, the gremlins were the shit, dude. Like I even had I even had a stripe toy. Like I had gremlin toys. Oh. Like it was dope. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't hang out in my room. And he was not. I, I hope not. <laughs> no, I, I had like a big stuffed freaking uh gizmo that was he was pretty big. And then I had this little teeny stripe, but he didn't stay anywhere I could see him at night because that would have freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that oh, shit's so mortifying. Not. Like when he melts at the end, like the sun hits him and he's yeah. like, I was like, oh, mm. it was terrible. Yes. And even like the skeleton's still kind of juicy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all nice and slimy. The stripe's yeah. terrifying. Like throughout this movie, like that Honestly. dude's fucking twisted. Like, first of all, brilliant son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. But twisted to, oh, high heaven. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. <laughs> Love this it. dude had no compunctions about just shooting one of his uh, offspring. Oh yeah, for like beating him at cards. Yep, pop the cap in his ass. Can I say that the bar scene is one of the greatest scenes in all of cinema history? Oh period. Yeah. Like all the different making fun of movies and like the pop culture at the time. Like you got the Flashdance Gremlin. Mm-hmm. You got the freaking. <laughs> All of the different like gremlins that are there, the makeup and the three stooges gremlin. Fucking love it. Just love it. Yeah. And so, real quick question. How yeah. do they do the gremlins? Is it puppetry? Yeah, they were or puppets. Was it, yeah. So you have 40, 50 <laughs> puppets all kind of going at the same time in a crowded space. Like that is just amazing. And it goes to show, once again, I feel like a broken record here, practical effects, oh, people. Love oh it. my goodness. Love it. And it was so ahead of its time. Like, it was beautiful. Yeah. Go ahead. They better not remake this. That better not be what was coming out of your mouth, JJ. No, I've heard rumors, but they better not ever do it. There was an old weird rumor when they made this movie that the original idea for the gremlins was they were going to dress up chimpanzees. (laughs) And it's not true. But the idea was they were going to put in it like they put one monkey into the suit and they put the gremlin mask on it and it like freaked the fuck out. And oh, so I they scratched it. But I was like, no, they didn't. But yeah, no, it's not true. But that's like one of those pervasive rumors about this movie that, oh, yeah, they were going to use chimps for that shit. I would have been way more impressed if they used chimps and got the same result that they did. Sure like, could you imagine a chimpanzee crawling under the sheriff's squad car to cut the brake line? That shit would have been great. Like Planet of the Apes would have been a real deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another fun fact. Did you know who voiced Gizmo? Uh, it's got to be Frank Welker. It was Frank Welker. Yeah, and you know who he voiced Frank- everybody. Yeah. yeah. He's Scooby-Doo. Yeah, and he's the guy who uh, made... <laughs> the lion noises in the Lion King by yelling into a trash can. This dude is legit. <laughs> I love Frank Welker. <laughs> Actually, I screwed that up. So Frank Welker was Stripe. Sorry. And oh. Howie Mandel was Gizmo. No way. Yeah, he was. Howie Mandel was Gizmo? Howie Mandel was Gizmo on the recommendation 
of Welker. Okay. So they brought in Welker for, for Stripe, and then he suggested Mandel for Gizmo. And oh, it's, it's funny because back then, Howie Mandel had hair. Like, <laughs> he had like Billy Joel, like, nice. Big old poofy hair. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Howie Mandel. Yep. That's, that's Howie Mandel that voices Gizmo. Dude, that's got to be such a big feather in your cap. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking Gizmo, dude. I'd yeah. be fucking saying that shit everywhere. Dude, that is first date, like, <laughs> mic drop of the century. No shit. No shit. Dude, you could land anybody, anybody you wanted by saying, yeah, I, I voice Gizmo. Yeah. Like, well, competition out the window. Go oh, on. For sure. And if I'm, he's on America's Got Talent or whatever the fuck that show is now, I'd be like, yeah, you're cool. But I was fucking Gizmo, dude. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never be as cool as I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking love it. That is awesome. So this, uh, who's the who's the kid who, he's in the Goonies as well. Oh, yeah, He's yeah, the yeah. little kid that uh, Feldman causes, Corey Feldman, that's who it is, causes problems and everything he's in. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, he's such a dick. He's always the instigator. Oh yeah, I love I love him when he's just kind of the side character mm-hmm. and just almost like a really really side character. Yeah, but he just does such a great job of being like an annoying little shit. A little instigator. He's a leaner. Yeah, he's like Damon. And he's got yeah, he's got the wrist rocket or the little slingshot yeah. doing holding off the gremlins in the window. So stupid. <laughs> so stupid. So this is one of my favorite crossovers when you talk about Spielberg, right? So. You have the gremlins and then you think about Goonies, the moment with Chunk, who's in the, with the sheriff or he's calling the sheriff and he's like, oh yeah, Lawrence, is that like the time you called and told me about the little freaking demons that were running around terrorizing the city? Like, so <laughs> Leave it to Spielberg to completely use his own shit to talk shit in the movie. So I, yeah, I always, every time you see the sheriff talking to the kid, they're talking about the gremlins and before he shows him the mogwai, like he's like, are you serious? Like demons running? I always think of Goonies in that moment. Cause it's almost the exact same conversation. <laughs> so I love that crossover. Good old Spielberg. Yeah, Spielberg does a good job. Mm-hmm. Like 80, 90 Spielberg oh. with peak movies. Oh yeah. The guy was a genius, man. He's still a and genius, that, but he still, but he doesn't put any work in to do oh, it. Yeah. He just like, he could, he could turn out 12, Back to back, just awful films, mm-hmm. and he get a free pass because of what he did in the eighties and nineties. Oh yeah, well, and that's it's just like this movie. When you talk about it, like the only reason, so this the writer that did this show, Chris Columbus did not think that this movie would ever get made. Like he wrote it as like just kind of a silly shit, in limbo. right? Like it's just one of those things that he. He decided to write the screenplay to serve as a spec script is what he really talked about. So because his first movie tanked, he's like, I got to write this as something that people will think it's clever. And then Spielberg read it and was like, let's do it. <laughs> and because he was just doing, he was getting into Amblin, his company. Mm-hmm. So he's like, screw it, I'll produce it. Let's make it. And you, because you know, and as soon as he signed off, it's done, right? So from then on, you launch Chris Columbus's career. You launch Joe Dante's career. And then he pulls in. You lost your own production career as well. Yeah. When you pull in actors like Galligan and Cates, and now you're like, well, fuck. Okay. No, that's really kind of cool because you think of all the ties and connections he has. And then he picks a movie, which 
arguably, you know, is probably the cheapest option to make. So he knows it's going to make a profit on your first movie as a production studio. Mm-hmm. No, dude. Then you get the big budget stuff kind of rolling in. Yep. But that was, I mean, I like it. I like this movie. Oh, yeah. I, here's another fun fact about this movie that I love is that the script was originally very much darker. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Billy's mom's head getting cut off and thrown down the stairs type dark. Uh, that would do it. Yeah. The dog getting eaten type dark. And originally Gizmo was supposed to be Stripe. He was supposed to turn mm. into Stripe versus them having the extra one. But that was, again, the genius of Steven Spielberg. He was like, nope, Gizmo needs to last through the whole thing because audience will be pissed because he's too cute. And then they dumbed it. Of course, then they, I don't want to say dumbed it. They took it and made it less dark and more of a comedy so that it wasn't. So he, you know, he didn't do much to change the movie, but that was one of them where he's like, no, no, no. We need this to be a little less holy shit than a little little more more fun and enjoyable and something that people laugh about. Cause the guy gets people like he gets moviegoers, man. Oh yeah. And I mean, this was an ace in the hole. Yeah. Like, because you have those still kind of dark parts, right? Where they, you know, hang the dog from the Christmas lights outside. <laughs> yeah, so straight up, that's, that's bad. And then you get the Christmas tree where Stripes, you know, ambushes the mom. Yeah. So you still have these kind of dark moments that happen. And then let's not forget about the bulldozer that takes oh, out a, shit. that couple. So like you still get these dark moments, but it's kind of overshadowed by the comedy that's mm-hmm. involved with it, like hijacking the stair chair of the mean old Potter. <laughs> yeah, the, the Mrs. Um, Potter. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love it because it's like a parallel almost to It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. right? Where we mm-hmm. see this, we even see the movie in the background. That's what the mom was watching at the beginning yeah. of the movie. And you can see the parallels that go with it. And so you have like all of these different movie elements that are all wrapped into one. And you never think that they would work, but Spielberg somehow gets him to work when he does stuff. Yep. And so same with the director. Who was it? Damien? Somebody? Uh, Dante. Dante. Yeah. Like Joe Dante. They got all these, you know, movie elements that should not go together very yeah. well. And they made them work into an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. A plus. Yeah. And he does that a lot. Joe Dante. Like he, he directed Space a few years later. I don't know if you've ever seen Space. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. It's so <laughs> stupid, but I love it. But yeah, so he does these movies where like he gets like some interesting shit that comes out of a movie that you really wouldn't expect to be as interesting as it is. So yeah, and it's just like a perfect storm of ideas and stuff that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's just Chris Columbus too. The guy writes the ridiculous so yeah. well, but then he also writes very interesting stuff like. Not just because, like, I mean, he wrote Goonies. He wrote Gremlins. He wrote, I don't remember. Not uh, in court. <laughs> Doubtfire. Doubtfire. He wrote, he wrote no, the basis. He, yeah, he wrote the basis for Mrs. Doubtfire. It was called Madam Doubtfire at the time. That's, that's the one that I was, huh. yeah. Yeah, he does do crazy well. Or outlandish, probably a better term than crazy. Yeah. The unexpected. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I will tell you that, and I told you this before we started recording, that the one downfall to doing a podcast, because I love what we do, but the one downfall is watching movies that you love, because I watch movies differently now. No matter how much I swore that I wouldn't watch movies differently, how much that I shit on critics, because I do shit on critics quite often, 
I still watch movies different from a podcast perspective than I used to as just a movie goer. There are some movies that I make sure we don't do so that I can just go watch them as a movie goer. <laughs> and going back and rewatching one of my childhood favorites like this really kind of fucks with me because I see things that I wouldn't have seen or I've never seen before it in that, in that way. So there's a couple of things I did want to point out. And I don't know how I've never, <laughs> never thought about this in the past. And I'm sure I have, and I just don't care. But Gizmo driving around a fucking remote control car. <laughs> it's not like there's a little fucking gas pedal in this car that makes it go. Like, <laughs> how is that thing driving? There had to be a merch opportunity in there somewhere. Seriously. Let the ball drop oh on. God, the pink Barbie car. He's just driving that fucker around that store. like, And it was, it's a fun scene because it calls back to him watching TV with mm-hmm. the car, you know, the race car driving around and he's having a great time. But it's just is such a moment that I went, wait a minute, how's, how's that car going? Nobody's got the remote for that thing. And it, and it might've been even funnier if like he'd found a way to like wedge like one of those old joystick controllers that they had. Cause maybe it was one that had the wire connected to it and all it could do was back and forth. That shit would have been funny, but I get why they didn't. It was just, it's a crazy funny moment watching Gizmo roll around in this car. But yeah, it kind of bothered me as I was watching. I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that is true. And the other thing is uh, Stripe takes a really long time to get to the water in the mall after he sees it and the little things like that. Yeah. But I would say that your thing is being nitpicky, JJ. Enjoy your movie. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, and the other thing that really got me, because I, like I said, I've seen this movie a thousand times, but I've never actually paid full attention to like the story that Kate tells about her dad oh yeah who died in the chimney what the fuck like yeah that's a fucked up story like and it's an old like urban legend like that's where it came from but man that's fucked and i don't think i noticed because like it's such an interesting dynamic in the movie and then you've got this character that just in the middle of nowhere tells this story about her dad getting stuck in a chimney trying to bring toys down i was like man that's that's dark I was like, Jesus. Because she like finishes up her story with like, and that's why I stopped believing in Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Like, oh, dude. I bet. Yeah. No. Like, honestly. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you what I was like, huh? Yeah. Is when, uh, what's his bucket? The main kid mm-hmm. drives up to the bar, leaves the lights on in his Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. Gets out of the car to get the girl. And then for some reason, the car's now off. Oh, shit. I never like, even restart the car. I was like, did you turn the car off in your car that you have been trying to start for yeah. a month? <laughs> it finally starts and you get to where you're going and you turn the car off. Or did it just add that extra element to it of, oh, no, now they got to escape on foot and go into the bank or the trust fund area where they were at. Yeah. Was, and they're going to really really the car doesn't work didn't even think about that that's a good catch though it's a great catch well it's because if that was me i'm not stopping i'm slowing the car down as i'm driving by yelling at the window you got 10 seconds before i hit the gas i realize you're phoebe kate i don't fucking care there's Mm -mm. there's (laughs) hundreds of gremlins in my town yeah. <laughs> Sucks to be you, bro. <laughs> Taking my dog and I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> oh, I fucking love this movie. It's so much fun. It's a good one. It's really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the 80s and 90s are pretty good with this, oh. where it's like a, a kid movie, mm-hmm. but not a kid movie, right? Like we just talked about the terrible story about her dad. Kids don't listen to that. No. Like you just barely heard it. You've seen this movie thousands of times. You said, or yeah. you just barely recognize that it's there. Yeah. Like there's all this extra dialogue that's going around that the kids aren't noticing. Mm-hmm. So it's like that pure definition of a family movie, which we don't really have a lot of anymore. No, I would say it's uh, mm-hmm. like, it was a happy medium in those kind of decades where you had this kid movie that was for adults and for kids. Mm-hmm. scary enough that kids would get a little bit scared, but not, you know, so much that it would traumatize them. It's like a really kind of interesting film dynamic that we've lost in just a couple decades. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. And that's why I love, especially the 1984 movies like that year, 80, and probably you could say 82 to like 86. Cause there were some, but a lot of the things that were after that are sequel movies. Like you got back to future two and three, you got gremlins two that connect to that. But 84, 83, 84 had such great movies and it's a different type of movie. Like you don't get that same feel like you were saying, and it it was a unique time for it. And especially this is also when, and Mattson likes to say that it was Temple of Doom was the first PG-13 movie. It actually wasn't. It, because Spielberg was connected to that one as well, Spielberg and Lucas did Indiana Jones, he also did this one in the same similar time frame. Both of them, the MPAA at the time only had PG and jumped right to R rating. And it was too tame for an R rating. Both of those movies were too tame for an R rating, but they had some pretty disturbing scenes. So Spielberg said to the MPAA, why don't you come up with an in-between one? And that these two, those two movies, this one, and this one was the last straw. So it started with Temple of Doom then this one is where the, the MPA was like, nope, this is, we can't keep doing this. And so Spielberg said, make one in between. And that's how the PG-13 rating was born. It was later on in 1984 after this Look movie. Came I know. The guy fucking Changing owns Hollywood, dude. Dude, that's awesome. So yeah, that's how, that's how PG-13 was born with those two movies. Way to go, Spielberg. Yep. Pulling people's hearts out of their chest and little yeah. gremlins killing people. And hanging dogs from Christmas lights. Killing a lot of people. <laughs> Giving weird-ass shots in science teachers' butts. <laughs> that is one thing about this movie, too, that I've always... Even when I was a kid, I was like, nothing else happens? That we just go back to normal life after we've blown up a movie theater? We've had thousands of little gremlins Whoa, running around. Yeah. People dying. Nobody fucking cares. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's one little <laughs> news report about it, but that's it. The damage was a report. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that this is a small town. Yeah. And all they do is like make fun of like the fact that, well, they said it was like gremlins. And I'm like, dude, there's literally like a melted pool of shit. There's got to be some skeletons of these little yeah, fuckers there's something somewhere. something in that feeder somewhere where you can find. Uh, well, and there had to have been feet in the blender bowl from mom yeah. blending the one, right? The, the guts of the microwave are still in there. Like, come on, man. There's plenty of proof. Yeah. Well, you know, wouldn't set up a sequel that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Oh, yeah. I enjoy it. And the mom, like I said, can't give her enough credit. MVP mm-hmm. takes out all these things. And I love the, so that's, again, we go back to practical effects. So do you know how they did the microwave effect? 
balloon. Oh, they took a balloon and they filled it full of shit, like fake blood, green shit, like nasty. Just they stuck it in the microwave and let it explode. That's what the fuck you were looking at was a balloon full of shit in the microwave. Hollywood, go back to practical effects. Dude, I swear, I'm telling you, it was dope. I mean, you can see it, but at least it's good. Like you can. Yeah, well, just, it's the creativity behind it because nobody watches that and says, oh, that's a balloon that they fill with fake blood. No, it's a fucking gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what just happened? What did I just watch? Yeah. And that's the thing is like when you have these practical effects, you get creative stuff out of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a part of Hollywood that's really kind of dying a little bit. Same with sound guys. If you listen to what sound guys go through to get the sound that they want. Man. It's ridiculous but it's all being computerized now or digitized and yeah. you're losing a little bit of the creativity that goes with it because it's a little bit easier, a little bit cheaper to do it digitally. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they had to think outside the box back then. You couldn't just go, mm-hmm. oh, we'll have a computer do it. You fuck. I got to figure this out. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> They're going Spielberg said he wants to blow something up in the microwave. No shit. <laughs> what would it be like if we microwaved the gremlin? Like that shit would yeah. be fucking crazy. Poor effects guys are going, why would they want to microwave a gremlin? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Mom's got a kitchen knife. Yeah. Simple. Stab the gremlin. No, Spielberg says he wants to microwave it. That's right. Well, what does Spielberg know? He doesn't know anything. <laughs> well, and I love, too, like the terrible looking scene, like when all the gremlins come out of the pool and you see that the obviously miniature set, right? That's, and then the little claymation stop motion gremlins that are walking down the foot. You still get exactly the feel that you need, right? You know, you're in the city. It's the one main road down the city. And there's a fuck ton of gremlins coming out of the pool, following Stripe down the damn road. And I don't care that I know that it's claim or stop motion. I don't care that I know it's a miniature set because it does what it needs to do. And I'm okay with it. But yeah. what I will tell you is if you had computer CGI'd that shit and it looked terrible, I'm going to fucking shit all over your head because I would rather go, you worked to make that look real versus uh, you got lazy and did shitty CGI. Yeah. Stop motion is not a fun. No, it's shit's to, terrible. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's why you have all these techniques that are being limited by this CGI nonsense. Like mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it's a little bit off topic, but one of my favorite animation styles and animators is Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. Because he would I don't know, do the rotoscope animation uh-huh. where you film a movie and then you animate every single frame of that movie. It's work. It's putting in work. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now it's just so easy that you have people who are, you know, like just deadline, 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 turning in the bare minimum to get it passed by their boss or whatever. Yeah. And you lose the creativity and the storytelling that goes with it because it's easy just to do it in mass. So we get absolute dumpster fires of content coming out because it's who can turn out more, 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 more versus making something great. Yeah. It's such a good, you know, Casey, we, I've talked about it on the podcast, Casey really modeled most of my house. And, and one of the things that she talks about is when we, we've looked at houses, we bought a couple of houses and she would talk about the fact that, you know, I want a, care, a house that has character. Even if I get to work on it, I want to. And for me, like, that's what I think about. When you talk about, like, Bakshi, and I think of Cool World, right? Like, in the fact that what a fucking dope, weird movie because the time that was taken to put into the animation. You can even look at, 
who framed Robert Roger Rabbit. Now it's not boxy, but it's still the same concept, right? Like to, to mesh those two worlds is so complex. Or you go back to the original animation of, of Disney where everything was hand painted in every motion. Like it was like a fucking giant flip book animation. You know what I mean? And they had to paint it and they had to get it. The amount of work that you still have to go into it. And you're right. We've gotten to the point now where a level of animation or CGI may, has made us lazy because they had to work for that quality back then. And even then you could tell it was animated, but we had a respect for the level of work that went into it. Now I want that same level of work because when they put it in, we get beautiful visuals like the original Lord of the Rings movies from Peter Jackson. Even the CGI is bad as it looked at the time in some moments, it was because of the time the technology wasn't caught up for what they were trying to do, but they did it and they put in work to make it as good as it could have been. Now it's just, Oh, we'll just animate it in, in post. And then it looks It'll like be fine. shit. Yeah. And I'm like, no dude, fuck that. Yeah, it's bad when I can download <laughs> Adobe, whatever, and I can animate something. Yeah. I cannot draw for shit. Dude, like stick figures are a struggle for this dude when he's drawing. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do it, but I can download a program and I could throw together a you know thirty second presentation of animation just based off of typing in what I wanted to do. Yeah, it's still a little bit of work because you have to learn the program. Sure. But once you learn the program, I mean, I who have no reasonable talent in the arts, whatever, can animate something and put it off, and yeah. it looks decent. Yeah. Right. Versus if you tried to get me to do some hand-drawn animation, you're lucky to get the stick figure in the post-it pad where you can flip it and it's not going to look <laughs> anything like it's supposed to. Like, you know, in high school or school or whatever, sure. school, you draw the little guy doing something across the bottom. Yeah, the across the I couldn't do that. Yeah. I couldn't do it. It looked like crap because I'd forget where I was oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. partway through something and I'd have to scroll back and look and be like, oh, shit. A lot of effort. Yep. I mean, it's just the, the work put in is less now that you have to do and you can turn out stuff a lot quicker where we're getting, you know, content every year, every month, every quarter versus it would take old school animators years to put stuff out. Yeah. It's so true. It's just like, we see like a movie will come out and then they'll do like these deep fake things. Just some random person at their, in their home computer will put out a deep fake that looks just as good as the fucking movie. And I'm like, that's how, you know, that it's bullshit because if you just gave, and I don't blame the animators at all. I blame, I would imagine that it's mostly, especially nowadays, it's the studios. Like you said, it's, we don't want to take a couple of years to make a movie. We want to make it now. We want to get our dollars. We want to get the people in the, and I think that's really hurting the film industry. And I realize this has very little to do with gremlins other than the fact that when you look at a movie like this, we didn't have great technology, but they still made it work. Like you said, through creativity, through taking the time, through being patient and understanding that we needed a quality product, especially back then, because people weren't forgiving. You had to make it work to make money in your movie. Now with the level of accessibility for movies and content and shows, you can be lazy and people are still going to watch it. And like you're saying with gremlins, it took six years for a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm sure that they didn't green light a sequel 1984 yeah. and then work on it progressively for five years, but it gets shelved. It's a product that comes out later. Like, hey, we should do a sequel. Maybe they start the production in 87 or 88 yeah. in order to get it released by 90. 
I'll say that Peter Jackson's trilogy of Lord of the Rings probably started this trend unwittingly because he had them back to back to back. The yeah. difference is he filmed everything all at once. Like their production leading up to it, he filmed all three movies and then he cut them up. Yeah. And so you had this year release and it was the next year it was coming out, but the work was put in beforehand to get to this point versus I think that kind of started a new trend where we're like, Oh, we could have stuff even sooner. And then the studios are having to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice until mm-hmm. they start to flip the script a little bit. Like, Oh, Hey, we can turn out so much stuff. People don't care anymore. They all only care about consuming this content versus the actual quality of the content. And we can just, rapid fire out whatever you want. So, yeah. I mean, I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Don't get me wrong. Oh, of course. But I will say that I think that might've been maybe where we see a little bit of a shift because mm-hmm. those sequels came out one after another on a yearly basis. Yeah. Certain levels of things, especially nowadays, people just, they're going to watch them and you know it. So the quality takes a hit. It's just like when you think about like the big Warner brothers shit, like the DC universe, some of their CGI is the worst I've ever seen, but they dealt with it because they knew people were going to watch it. Yeah. They knew. And that's a huge major studio. Yeah. I don't know if they're still the biggest, but at one point they were. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, when they were putting out Goonies and Gremlins and shit. Yeah. They were up there. They're the biggest. Yeah. But I mean, they're sacrificing the content that they're creating to make it easily accessible. Yep. And here's the thing we like to you know talk about Marvel Studios currently. They're putting out a new show every three months. Westworld takes two years. Which show is better? Westworld. Mm-hmm. By putting in the time, putting in the extra steps. I mean, I'll moan and groan and complain, but oh. that's more just like surface level moaning, groaning, and complain rather than me actually, you know, being upset that I have to wait two whole years. Sure. Well, and I wouldn't be as upset if it wasn't as good, right? If, yeah. if it didn't look as good, if it didn't, if the writing wasn't as good, if we were getting She-Hulk level content out of Westworld, I wouldn't give a shit if it make you 10 years to make it again. Just yeah. don't fucking make it. But I get pissed and I have, I'm like, oh, I grumble and groan about two years because I know what I'm waiting for. And it's good. They and put it, in the time yeah. and it's good. Never oh, once man. have I bitched about CGI or effects in Westworld. Not once because no. it looks sharp and I know they're putting in the time and the writing is fucking outrageous. Don't even get me started yeah. on that shit. So exactly. So I appreciate we went on a huge tangent, but I yeah. appreciate what gremlins does. I'm telling because you because they practical effects, they put in the work, they know what they're doing. And when you put in the work, people recognize it. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right, let's rate this beautiful thing. Let's do it. Um, I'll go first. I, I love gremlins. I didn't really talk about it. There were some issues just because I feel like it was because it was a spec script and it was never intended to become a movie. There are some, some weird things that happen that where there's like some weird parts, like the story from Kate about her dad. It's like, where the fuck did that even come from? Why did we take the time to do that? It felt like some weird character development in a movie that has no character development. So I think there's some spotty things that I notice like that, especially now as an adult watching it. And from a, a perspective of I critiquing it, but as far as entertainment value, Jesus, this movie's fun. It's funny. It's scary. It's practical. It's hilariously devious and it's dark. And yet it's some of the funniest shit that you'll see. 
It makes fun of itself. It takes itself very seriously. Overall, I think it's just an entertaining movie, which I find endearing no matter what time frame it comes from. If you can make me walk out of a movie and watch it and go, that was fun. I had a great time. Then you've made a successful movie. And I think, I've, like I said, Gremlins is up there and some of the movies I've watched as many times as I ever have. And I think it's a great way to kick off the holiday season. It was a little scary, so it fits the Halloween theme. We got some Christmas and Thanksgiving shit coming down the road, so I'm excited for all of that. But Gremlins, I was so glad that we I decided to put this on the list to get voted for. And thanks to Charles for voting for this one because I had a fucking great time watching it. I've had a great time talking about it. I'm going to give it a four and a half. I think the only thing that keeps it from it is that little kind of all over haphazard thrown together feel that it has in moments that kind of pull me out of the movie, but it's as damn near a perfect movie as I think you can get when it comes to just level of entertainment. So four and a half for me, Alec, your turn, buddy. See, now I kind of enjoy this haphazard feel a little bit because to me, it's almost like they were writing to keep you on your toes. Mm. So you as the viewer doesn't know what's going to happen next. So we have this, you know, character development that does not fit. So (laughs) you're kind of like, well, why did they do that for? What's going on here? Or you talk about like when they're in the mall and you have the, you know, stripes coming, stripe all of a sudden has a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's an electric one. It's the best. Yeah, an electric <laughs> chainsaw going at you. And so there's all these little things that, you know, we're going this way, we're going this way, we're moving back and forth. And it fits because this is kind of like a horror element themed movie, you know, mm-hmm. very similar to Jurassic Park in the sense where it's like a horror film for kids. So the idea is to kind of keep you on your toes, never know what's happened next and almost overload your sensors with what's going on. So you can never try and figure out the story. You don't know what's going to happen next. So I kind of enjoy that haphazard element because that's kind of who I am as a person. It's fair. Um, it's fair. But this, this is only the second time I've seen this movie. Oh, nice. Um, so I saw the, the first time a few years ago and this was the second time and it's a good one. Oh, yeah. Like, Straight up, there's no real big complaints that I have about it. It's enjoyable. Um, so I'm going to give it a four. Yeah. It's a great movie from a great time. And figuring out that it was a box office success with everything else that was coming out in that year is insane. Yeah. So well done to Chris Columbus. Even in 1984, man, like, that's crazy to me that it, I always forget how good it did, right? Because of everything else that came out. 84. What else? What was the big one? Was Back to the Future? Back to the Future. There was Red Dawn, I think, came out in 84. No, Back to the Future. Yeah, Back to the Future was 85. Top Gun was around that time, wasn't it? It No, that was 86. It was 86, but like I said, I... 82 to 86. 82 to 86-ish. Yeah. So Ghostbusters was the top. There you go. Dude, this was the number three box office in 84. So number one was Ghostbusters at 220 mil. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was 179 mil. Gremlins was 148 mil. Karate Kid was 90 mil. Police Academy, Footloose, Beverly Hills Cop, Star Trek Three, Jesus, the movies that were the in 84. Fact that this edged out Karate Kid is yeah. insane to me in box office sales. You know what's even, you want me to really blow your mind? Yeah, do it. The Terminator was let's, number let's, 21 let's, in the box office in 84. Good. Take that, Matson. Think about that for a fucking year. I mean, that's probably one of the most talked about movies of all time, The Terminator, Terminator 2. And it was number 21 of that, that year. That is insane to me. Holy shit. Yeah, 1984, dude. 
stupid movie year. Probably the best ever. Oh, hands down. There's nothing that can top that. Yeah, I mean, just your top 10. I'll go back through it. Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Gremlins, Karate Kid, Police Academy, Footloose, Beverly Hills Cop, Star Trek Three, Terms of Endearment, Romancing the Stone, and Splash was a number 11. I had to throw that in there because Tom yeah. Hanks, you know. Those Ridiculous top year. 10, fuck off. I'll watch any one of those 10 right now. Oh, absolutely. And enjoyed the fuck out of it. They're great movies. So, Gremlins. Dude, we've been talking about Gremlins for like the better part of an hour. <laughs> Matt's going to really be losing his shit if he was here. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. Everything we've recorded today has been way over our yeah, Matt's and budget. <laughs> we, we, always, we always are when it's just you and me. Yeah, Gremlins. It was fun. It's the start of our October. Our website isn't back up yet, but it will be soon. So keep an eye out for that uh, so you can keep up with what's coming. But uh, Alec, time to fulfill your town crier duties. Tell everybody where they can find us when they're not listening to Gremlins. Absolutely. So thanks for tuning in, guys, to our first Christmas movie of the year. Cheers. Uh, did our verdict match with yours? Go ahead and let us know in the comments below on YouTube where we upload the visuals if it did or it didn't. We appreciate the engagement and feedback. It helps us grow the channel, lets us know if we are putting out content that you guys agree with or if you want to spell something different, you can let us know. We release every single Monday a movie review at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Perfect. So if you'd like to interact with us directly, you can do so by showing up to our lives, which we do Monday and Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So come on in, chat with us, shoot the breeze. We enjoy having fun. We enjoy the engagement. We like talking back to people who are listening. So some exciting things are going on with the pod, guys. We are on Patreon now. So if you're interested in supporting us in a more direct manner, you can. And you can unlock the ability to directly influence the content that we release. So you can actually make us watch stuff that you want us to watch. A uh, big shout out to our current patron, JJ Screaming Goats. You are both <laughs> a gentleman and a scholar, and I tip my mug to you. Guys, go check out our merch. We have mugs and we have shirts. They are on the website, so it's currently under construction. But when we are ready to release that again, go pick up an 11-ounce What's Our Verdict mug. It's perfect for tea, coffee, any beverage of your choice. Uh, there's also a 15-ounce mug available. See, JJ's got one, too. Uh, so go check it out. They're pretty cool. We also have content on every major streaming platform, guys. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. Check us out. Leave us a like, comment, and know what your verdict is. That's right. Love it. Thanks, Alec. With Absolutely. that, and your new job, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Cinemagic out.